0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Some people hide for love. I don't want to do it no more. Some people hide from love. It just feels so good. When you gotta love and it's good like it should be Makes you never wanna give it up Cause you know that some people die for love And I believe it's true cause I do
1: the same for you
0: Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning?
1: Well, Lloyd, today our show is about some wonderful Toltec wisdom. Wisdom for the Modern World, and I just finished reading The Five Levels of Attachment by Don Don Miguel Ruiz Jr., and you may remember that we had already interviewed his wonderful dad, Miguel Ruiz Sr., for the Four Agreements, and we even interviewed Jose, his brother, Jose Ruiz, um, as well. We interviewed him on his book, and The Fifth Agreement, and my friend the rattlesnake. So, we're just thrilled to have Miguel with us today. Let me tell you a little bit about his background. Um, when he was only 14 years old, Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. apprenticed with his dad, Don Miguel Sr., and his grandmother. Madre Sarita, to learn how to manifest their intent to heal people both physically and spiritually. And when he reached his mid-20s, after 10 years of apprenticeship, his father intensified his training. And this training culminated one day when Don Miguel Ruiz Sr. sent his eldest son out into the world saying, Find your way out. Go home and master death by becoming alive. And for the past six years, Miguel has applied the lessons learned from his dad and grandmother to define and enjoy his own personal freedom while achieving peace with all of creation. As a nagual, Miguel is finally ready to pass along the wisdom and the tools of his family's tradition. Along with his father, Don Miguel Senior, uh, Ruiz Sr., and his brother, Don Jose Ruiz, um, and Don Miguel Jr., They, The three of them lead workshops, retreats, and powerful journeys to help others to achieve their own personal freedom and optimal physical and spiritual health. He also hosts a successful weekly internet show called The Way of the Desert. And you can find out more about him at conflicthealing.com and also at miguelruiz.com. So I'm thrilled to have you join us, Miguel. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Maddie. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be on uh, your show and also, once again, be on K, uh, K, uh, UCI. I used to be the uh, general manager of KSDT in San Diego, so uh, I remember going to UC, uh, to one of the UCRN conferences at UCI oh. and being in that studio. So
1: How fun. Awesome
2: that I'm <laughs> on the show again on that station, so
1: yay. Brings back memories, right?
2: Oh, lots of memories. <laughs> I, 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 I remember going to UCI, which is the conference for radio networking for the you know, University of California yeah. radio stations. So I'm going to uh, UCI and interacting with the people there, and it's it's it's, it's a nice, fun. It's a nice campus. So. Thank you for that opportunity. Yeah,
1: brings back all those, you know, there's all these connections, right? All these synchronicities. I have to tell you on the air, and I've told you this before, that I just really resonated with this book. It's at a perfect time in my life. So if you're out there listening and you feel like there's changes in your life and that there is time for you to kind of go within and figure out what are you attached to and what, what do you need to let go of to bring in the new, to close a door and open another, um, then you're going to want to read this book. I just, I really, I'm, I'm hoping my husband will read it. Um, I think he will, because I've been leaving it around for him to read it <laughs> without <laughs> trying to push him on it. But I
2: hope he likes it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I really, I really found that it, it spoke to me. And um you know, it just—it's just really wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to say that on the air because I really enjoyed it. So let's talk about uh, what is Toltec and and how how are you part of this beautiful lineage and and what is a nagual? Okay, sure.
2: Well, the Toltec—the uh, the, word—the name Toltec is a Nahuatl name that in, Spa- in English means artist. In Spanish, artista, artesano.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So basically, it means that. Uh, we are the artists, the creators of our work of art, which is our life. So as a, as a civilization, it ceased to exist over 500 years ago, either, either by the hands of the Spanish or the Aztec. But uh, since since then, it's been an oral tradition. Uh, uh, you know, that's what happens when there's a conquest, that you know the, the center point of any culture dissipates, and it concentrates itself, and the people who continue to practice it, in, either in a family or a small town, and everyone practices it practices it in their own unique way. So my family, uh, they they come from a little town called Juanacatlán, Jalisco, which is just uh, out on the outskirts of Guadalajara and along the old merchant path between the, the Valle de Mexico to the Pacific. And it's uh, an oral tradition. So according to my great-great-grandfather, which is my grandmother's grandfather, we are descendants of the Toltec, Eagle Knight lineage. And that's the thing about old tradition, you know, because when you break that line, everything becomes a story that you teach from one generation to another. And it was he who says we are the Toltic descendants, and the teaching is the way he taught it back in the eighteen hundreds and nineteen uh, hundreds. Donafikul lived to be one hundred and sixteen years of age. He taught it in the in the old language and the old concepts, and. Back then, he only taught it to a couple of very few people. Then his son, Don Leonardo, he was a military soldier as well as a musician, so he was a band leader in the Mexican military, and he found a way to teach the tradition through music. And his daughter, Madre Sarita, you know, she taught it through uh, through faith healing and, and consultations and a weekly uh, weekend sermon, and she she really opened it up. You know, At that point, the taboo that uh, was behind it. You know, when when the Spanish came, they, they brought with them a beautiful tradition called Catholicism. Right, uh, right. With, with it, uh, they brought uh, the Holy Inquisition. So anyone who talked outside of the, the, the beautiful tradition of Catholicism had the sword. So uh, for a long time, it was a taboo to talk about it. But as that dissipated and it be- ceased to be taboo, m- uh, my family began to slowly... Share it outside of the family. And mm-hmm. my grandmother was the first one to really have this vision of sharing it. And then her son really just took it to the next level. Because my grandmother opened this little temple in San Diego, California, and in Barrio Logan called Nueva Vida. And there she talked to the whole community and she taught this tradition to them. And mm-hmm. then my father, being a medical doctor, found a way to bridge the language of our elders to a language that we can understand on our everyday, and that's where m- I come in. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, the lineage and how I I am part of it, as well as my brother Don Jose. We're continuing. We're really not continuing my father's footsteps. We're continuing in my grandmother's footsteps because it's her passion, her desire to share it outside yes. with the fa- outside the family. And what we teach, basically, we we used the old stories of the smoky mirror, the two headed serpent, and all those kind of concepts of the eth- ethereal egg and the nawal and the tonal to use it in a language that we can all understand in our, our everyday. For example the, the the question you asked about what is an there are three forms of descriptions. There are many definitions, you know every every word we use is an empty symbol whose definition is subject to our the agreement of an individual or community. Or a culture, so the three definitions we have for nawal. First is a, a, of a teacher, a spiritual teacher or guide mm-hmm. that shares this knowledge from one generation to another. The second ex- description of a nawal is basically in contrast to tonal. Tonal is a it's a word that reflects matter, m- this object, m- this material, mm-hmm. and the nawal. Is the energy that moves that material? So you could say physics. One, in order for an object to move, there needs to be a force that moves that object. Well, the Nawal is the force that moves matter. It's the force that gives life mm. to every every element. So like the chi,
1: like life. The, yeah, it's and like the of chi, right?
2: The third one, which is the old, the you know, small town fables of the shapeshifter that mm. man or woman who's able to transform into different things and normally if they use the example of a coyote or a fox or or an owl and if you, if you see it from the point of view of that second definition it basically it's just a story to describe someone who has detached him or herself so much from knowledge that you know they become aware that knowledge is just alive because we give it life with our agreements, you know, like the, the every symbol, every word that we're using right now has a meaning because we give it a meaning as a culture.
1: Right. But every word we use is an
2: empty symbol. So if we are able to see ourselves and we see ourselves as a symbol, as an identity, then our attachment to knowledge is such that knowledge and I are one. In my levels of attachment, that would be level three. But as we let go, as we begin to let go of our attachment, to see the separation between knowledge and I, that knowledge only exists because I give it life with my agreements, with my beliefs, with my perception, then I stop seeing myself as an identity or a symbol with a definition, and I begin to see myself as an experience, the experience of being me, the experience of being a living being. And from that point of view, I lose what they call a mask, and I'm just this living being who can be anything in life. And the reason why the image shapeshifts is because every single person in my life sees me in a totally different way. For example, my son and my daughter see me dramatically different as my wife, who sees me dramatically different as my mom. In the perception of these four individuals, I am the constant, who I am is this individual who's alive, but all four of these people see me as they s- want to see me. And mm-hmm. that is the shape-shift. That's the, mm-hmm. the constant is me in my own life, and my own experience in life. But the way how someone sees me, I have no control over. But that is what Anawal is. Someone who's engaging everyone continuously and be able to create from this you can say place of co-creation if you want to use um, uh, these kind of, of terms, but basically it's just this individual who engages relationships—the people mm. who I love, the people who I
0: co-work—and
2: mm. and, and it's, it's beautiful from that point of view. It uh, it all comes down to the relationships. Yes. It all comes from an abstract thought and and interesting words and stories to describe the constant relationship we have with ourselves, with the people in our life, with life, with all of creation. So from that point, the work that we do, the the focal point of all this work is to enjoy life, and to enjoy life is to enjoy the relationships we have with people, starting with ourselves because we can't give what we do not have. If I have conditional love for myself, then I've got nothing but conditional love to give to everyone. Mm-hmm. But if I see myself for who I am and I love myself unconditionally because of that, then I'm able to give unconditional love to everyone because I have that in my own life.
1: And, you know, I really loved it when your grandma said to you, um, when kind of like in your initiation or y- your beginning of your your, your uh you know your journey, uh, so to speak, as she said to you, is knowledge controlling you, or are you controlling knowledge?
2: Yeah, yeah. That was the that was the constant question. You now she, you know, the the difference between the two, is, yeah. And you could say that's the main pr- uh, question that drives this particular book. Is that when knowledge controls me, then my beliefs control the instruments that I use to create my art, which is my free will, my yes and my no. For every time I say yes. I'm going to use this energy to manifest something. You know, Every time I say no, I'm not going to use this energy to manifest a single thing. So my yes and no to have free will is to be able to say yes and no with a complete freedom of life. Thus, when knowledge controls me, it is my beliefs that dictate my actions. My beliefs control my yes, my, ye- my no. You know, It right. forces me to say yes when I want to say no or I say no when I want to say yes it controls me to yes. some degree and when i control knowledge is that i'm aware that of who i am and i'm and i'm re- I'm, I'm aware of, of the experience of me thus knowledge becomes an instrument an instrument that is going yes is going to inform my decision but it's also the instrument i'm going to use to co-create with my fellow human beings for example right now you and i are able to understand each other because we have the agreement of what words mean in English. Right. And if we start speaking Spanish, then the people who, if you understand Spanish, <laughs> then you and I understand each other, but right. the people who are hearing us will lose us, and often that disconnect happens. Right. And that's the beauty of wh- how knowledge becomes an instrument it allows us to connect, it allows us to understand each other, it allows us to understand not only how this world functions, not only how this universe moves and uh, all the elements of physics, chemistry, and science, and law, but also it allows us, the main priority is to understand each other. Uh, You, As you you practice law, you use knowledge to interpret the agreements that construct our society. Right. And it's a beautiful instrument. It's a wonderful instrument. But when we get attached to it,
1: Mm -hmm. then...
2: We b- that we allow that knowledge to control our action, to control our beliefs. And the problem with knowledge is that it's complete, always changing. For example, the phrase, I live in a red state. Mm-hmm. In the 1950s, that meant you lived in a communist state or a socialist right. state. Right. Fast forward 60 to 70 years later, it means that you live in a place that was conservative or Republican. The mm-hmm. complete opposite. Mm-hmm. The phrase hasn't changed but the meaning in 60 years has changed because the culture has changed. Right, right. So it's constantly moving. Knowledge is constantly changing. Kind of like life changes with every action. Knowledge changes with every new agreement.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So from that point of view, if I'm attached to knowledge, if knowledge controls me, then the worst thing that can happen is knowledge changing. And I'm trying to stop it. Right. I'm going to try to stop it, and I'm going to battle anyone who tries to change change it. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, no, it stays the same. But if I u- I'm a, am I w- am aware that knowledge is an instrument that I can use, then I'm aware that I'm responsible for what I say. I'm not responsible for what you hear. And the reason why that is, is because we all grew up in our different communities, in our own families, in our own part of the world that uses knowledge According to that community, for example, if there's parts of the country where I say I live in a red state, and they still hear communist socialism from the 1950s, right? And I say, no, 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 it means you're Republican. It means you're right. conservative. Right? They won't understand it. Like ah, it doesn't mean that. It, right. it means what this, you know, the that whole quagmire of uh, of uh, of a of a situation in the 1950s and 60s and 70s and 80s, but it no longer exists in the 19 in 2015.
1: Yeah. You know, when you were talking about the law and how, you know, that's that knowledge I I I what jumped into my head is, you know, I no longer litigate, I do mediation. So, when I bring people together, you know, we'll talk about the law and then we'll say, well, how does that work for you? You know, is that something that we can use or shall we deviate a bit from it because of your situation? Let's hear what you need. And so that's kind of using a little bit more of the... Um you know, We're not con- letting the knowledge control us. We're trying to control the knowledge with what the parties need. So I never thought about that until you said it that way, but that is what we do. It's a higher form. It's a higher consciousness to be mediating and, and, and saying, well, what do you mean by that? What do you need? I don't understand. Help me understand what you're thinking about that. So you don't get that in court, but you get that in mediation. So that
2: and it's a beautiful thing because at the, at the end point, in mediation, you're trying to reach a point where everyone finds a balance.
1: Yes, an exactly. An
2: agreement to create.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and
2: part of that balance is the willingness one to listen to one another to create an agreement. As you can say it's the, it's the foundation of co-creation, you can say. But that's the purpose. That's the beauty of it. And mm-hmm. it's what creates our relationships, not only in a court or courtroom or mediation room, in our relationships with our, with our wives, with our husbands, with our children, with our parents, with right. our friends at work. It's this knowledge, is this bridge. Yes. And when you use it with awareness, yes, you can construct the most beautiful thing. That's you, ev- everything we see is constructed by agreement. The, the, only, the things we don't see are the things we don't agree with as, as, as a society. You know, yes. And that's the beauty of it.
1: so yeah. And and I the think main,
2: the main purpose of detaching enough from knowledge is to see what you can see. One the destruction it can create when we're so attached, but more importantly, you, you see the results of how this complex mitote of a, of a, of a idea. Mitote means a thousand voices all talking at the same time. Right. Right. It's uh. It's it's. Basically, this constant, m- m- ever-morphing yeah. creation
1: yes. that allows
2: us to be able to bond with one another. Yes, Really, that's it. Yeah. We, we can say a word that allows us to separate, to get angry and, and create a separation between the two. But if we're willing to listen to one another, it's the one of the most beautiful things that binds individuals because we decide to create
1: You know, Miguel, my my mantra for this year reminds me so much of your book and why I connected so much with your book. My mantra, uh, when you talk about awareness... Right. I mean, if you don't have awareness, you don't even know the difference between knowledge and and, you know, and your authentic self or anything. Right. So my my mantra for this year has been mindfulness, being mindful. And I and I love the questions that you have on page 120 in your book, because you're you're talking about uh, questioning ourselves, being open to changing our minds about something that doesn't, you know, does not mean uh, that we question our core being, but we question what are we doing? Why do we have a thought, you know? And I love these. You have, uh, where did I learn this belief? You know, sometimes people will be so set in their ways, and we're going to talk in a minute about the five levels, the five levels of attachment. But these are really good. How is that belief affecting me? Am I using that belief well? And do I still need that belief? And that's so beautiful because that's a way to help us become aware. Lots of times we're so oblivious that people might be listening to this and think, what the heck are they talking about, right? (laughs) You know, I get it and you get it, but a lot of people don't get it. They don't understand. You know, they react to what's going on and they don't stop and think about what what is the, you know, they're, they're, they don't look at the observer. They only are the observee, you know? They just yep. don't, don't know how to do that. But I want to get to um, the levels of attachment, if you could go over them, um, because I think they're important. and I wish I was at the, the first level, but I'm not. But <laughs> why don't we uh, talk about the first level, the authentic self, and go down the five levels.
2: Sure. Well, first I have to describe what an attachment is. And, uh, and okay. And basically an attachment is making something that's not a part of you a part of you by investing of in yourself emotionally, intellectually, energetically, or somehow like that. You, right. You make yourself make sure that this thing becomes a part of you. That's how an attachment works. Right.
1: And people who it. are really religious. So and be- no- from yeah. that point of view,
2: there's nothing wrong with an attachment. It becomes a problem when we're not able to detach. So. To describe each level, I like to to use the image of a flower. Imagine a flower we're going to call awareness. Okay. At level one, this flower is completely open. It can go in any direction. So since we're using the question, do you use knowledge or is knowledge using you? Are you using knowledge or is knowledge using you? At level one, the answer is I am a living being regardless of what I think, regardless of what I know, regardless of my belief system. I am aware that I am alive. I'm this living beings that have the full potential of living life to the fullest, and I can go in any direction in life.
1: Right. In the
2: same way we hold a, a new baby boy or baby girl in our arms, a newborn, you can see the infinite possibility of an individual because you see someone with a whole life ahead of them. They can be anything. Right. Well, the only difference between that baby that my parents held in their arm when I was born is that I know how to use this body and I know how to use this mind but I'm still that infinite possibility. I'm at level one. I am this authentic self. And even the name is just the name to describe this potential, right. this living being. At level two, imagine a flower that engages a moment and it closes briefly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Then when the moment is over, it's able to open up again. So you have a pulsating flower engaging. And if you're in Southern California, Irvine, it moves a bit more rapidly. If you live <laughs> in Manhattan, in New York, it, it palpitates incredibly fast. <laughs> right. And if you live up in the hills, the way I was earlier in the, in the month, I, I can say it moves ever so slowly because but we're still engaging a moment. We're engaging life. We're engaging a relationship. We're engaging uh, language. We're engaging someone. But when the moment is over, we're able to detach So flower open. So it's called level two, it's called preference. I can go in any direction in life, and this is the direction that is my preference. I'm going to say yes to this direction. And when the moment is over, I can let go, which leads us to level three, identity. Imagine a flower that closes with an engagement, a moment that we engage something. But when the moment is over, the flower does not open because now we're attached Right, And the way we attach ourselves, we invest ourselves in this moment, is by identifying ourselves with it. I can call myself a vegan, I can call myself a Toltec, I can call myself a soccer player, even when I'm not playing soccer, even when I'm not reading a Toltec book, or even when I'm not eating. Right. When the moment is over, I still hold on to that moment. That's who I am. That's how, yeah. With a belief, an, an identity, a symbol to describe me. then... At that point, you know, I can be with other people who are not that, those things, but I still see that as an individual. So in in form of relationship, these three first levels are basically, you can say I respect individuals as free, individuals with complete freedom of choice. So I, they're my equals. I see another living being, and I respect their yes and their no. They don't have to be a vegan to be my friend. They don't have to be a, a carnivore. They don't have to be, They can don't have to be a topic. They can listen to Chopra or Wayne Dyer or, or they can listen like playing basketball. Well,
1: but, you got to yeah, hurry up cuz we there, yeah, Miguel. Miguel, we only have yes. like another minute. So let's just t- do the last two levels real quickly and then people are right, going to no, have to read and the book. At
2: level 4, imagine that flower closes even more and I start domesticating myself. At level 4, the answer to my grandma's question is Knowledge gives me the rules by which I live my life, especially the rules by which I love myself. I begin to domesticate myself, and I begin to domesticate the people around me. And at level five, fanaticism, that flower closes even more. So at level three, four, and five, that flower isn't able to open, especially at the higher levels, to, to such degree that I can't imagine my life without this symbol, and yeah. I have to live up to this symbol. So conditional love is born. So you can say that dramatic difference between level one and level five is that at level one is the expression of unconditional love. Yep. And at level and five is the expression of conditional love. Yes. There and is level five. Continuously. Yep. And level and now, five is my, my way. Or lack th- of respect at level five comes. Yes. So you can say the work that we do is to open this flower.
1: Yep. Well, we are just out of time. It is wonderful to talk to you, and I look forward to meeting you in person. You're just wonderful, and I really enjoyed the book. So um, just give your, well, I'll just give it. It's miguelruiz.com. It's R-U-I-Z, and it's Miguel, M-I-G-U-E-L. So thank you so much, Miguel. We will talk to you again soon, Okay.
2: Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day. Enjoy.
1: You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minerva and KUCI.org on the net. Please visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.